0: This
1: is the Overtime Podcast Network.
0: You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to MileHighHuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos.
1: Hello there, Broncos Country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I'm your host, Carl Dumbler, and with me as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Mr. Nick
0: Kindle. Nick, happy new year, man. 2019. Hey, new year, new team, right? Who are we cheering for this year? Nah, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Here for the Broncos. uh, Good to see the the Hawkeyes actually beating SEC team, the only uh, Big Ten team to do so this year. And uh, yeah, getting the ball rolling. Glad the uh, last two seasons for the Broncos are over and it's you know, starting to turn an eye towards the off season and getting better and hopefully getting this team back on track. It's
1: uh, it's the season of
0: optimism
1: is what I like to call it, where yeah. things can start turning around very quickly. You can go from worst to first or hopefully third to worst to, to first, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's fun time for us. We always love the off season and of course, talking about the Broncos anytime we can, And, of course, that's why we want to let you know that the Building the Broncos podcast is focused on all things pertained to your Denver Broncos as it relates to the NFL draft and, of course, team building. With Nick and myself being armchair GMs, we'll be bringing you fresh insight and analysis each and every week in every single episode. From scouting the enemy, player value, scheme and personnel fits, and general football-related banter, of course. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH. And be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at Huddle Up Pod. Make sure you check out ours and our co writers' written content at milehighhuddle.com. I'm part of 24 7 Sports and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know your listeners are as football draft and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without your listeners. So as a call to action, please go and take the time to go to iTunes or Spreaker and rate and subscribe and let your voices be heard on how you enjoy our show. Now, before we get going, we first want to say thank you to our great sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30 day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Well, one of the, the biggest decisions the Broncos have is happening right now as we are recording this podcast, and that is the Broncos trying to figure out who the next head coach of the Denver Broncos is going to be. And there's a, there's a lot of pressure on this one.
0: You got to get it right. I mean, essentially this is, this is a do or die decision for LA and the current regime that's in charge here. I feel like if you get this one wrong, I can't see people keep continuing to support him and the team. I mean, he's still a legend in this team, but like considering the past two seasons and everything like that, I don't know. The the seat's going to get hot. That's for sure. It's already hot. It's going to get hotter.
1: Yeah. I can't disagree with you at all, but it is kind of exciting. Uh, I mean, Bronco fans for (laughs) over a year now have been wanting Vance Joseph out of the building and now he's out of the building. And uh, so the Broncos have narrowed their search. It looks like pretty much to five people. Doesn't mean that they can't add more as we go about. Maybe they aren't overwhelmed by any of them, but uh, I guess right now, if you had your dream coaching staff, I'm talking head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive
0: coordinator, what would be your staff? For me, given everybody that's been listed so far, gosh, are you just talking about the candidates that are here in front of us or are we talking ideally any any possible one? No, let's just stick with with reality here a little bit. Well, I'm going to irritate Eric Trickle because he said this was his ideal one too, but I can't disagree based on everybody who's been interviewed or is being planned on being interviewed so far. Probably head coach uh, Vic Fangio, uh, offensive coordinator Zach Taylor and defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano. You kind of have the experience there with the defensive coordinator and Chuck Pagano. It's um, still a very veteran defensive team. And then you got a young offensive mind in Zach Taylor, whose brother is actually an offensive coach, I believe quarterback's coach or something like that with the Eagles. I'm sure I'm sure he would bring him along. And then I think Fangio is uh, probably, probably the best candidate I've seen so far out of the ones as far as what I'd like as a head coach. Not bad.
1: I'm, I'm going to go a little different direction. I'm going to go... Mike Munchak. Okay. I know some people are a little underwhelmed at him, but I, I just want I love what he does with the offensive line. And I'd love yeah. to have that kind of wisdom come to the Broncos and fix that offensive line. I, I know people will say the Titans were not a great time when he was a head coach, but he got that offensive line on track and they have still benefited from his time being there right now. And uh, beyond that, I, I think he's he's a guy that a lot of players respect, listen to. He's just one of those consistent guys in the locker room. Something the Broncos need right now. And then I'm surrounding him with two really good coordinators, or at least guys that I think could be good coordinators. I'm going to get Scott K- Kingsbury, and of course Todd. Cliff Bowles. Kingsbury or Cliff? Yeah, sorry, yeah, <laughs> Scott Cliff. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury. That young. OC that has that kind of offense that I know John always been talking about that he wants to see the Broncos kind of head towards. And, and then Todd Bowles. There, there's just something about the way that he coaches. I love his aggressive style. I loved when he was down in Arizona. I mean, he had that defense just – he had the attitude. I remember how just – nobody wanted to play the Cardinals at that time mostly because they just were always hitting people, flying around the field, making plays, and I want
0: that for the Broncos again. So that that would be my staff. Not bad. I, I do have a question for you about the staff. Been a lot of talk about Gary Kubiak coming back and potentially being the offensive coordinator or in some role like that, and the Falcons being interested for him in a similar position. What are your thoughts on Gary Kubiak coming down from the front office where he was this past season to joining the coaching sideline again? So I had a
1: friend share this with me that he, he views Gary Kubiak. You've seen the movie Joe Dirt, right? Yes, I have. Where he meets yes, the, awesome. the guy selling fireworks and he goes, I oh, have yeah. sparklers and snakes. And he's like, what? Yeah. That's all you, you have? And that's kind of how I view Gary Kubiak a little bit. The, I think with Gary Kubiak, you have to find a quarterback that fits his system. Yeah. He's not one of those coaches where you say, okay, here's our quarterback. Now go design the system. Mm. And so, I mean, there, there's some guys that I have in mind that I think could fit his kind of system, but it's still kind of over, over not overwhelming, underwhelming of what I think the Broncos could be on offense. It, it's just, I, I don't see the innovation in him. And and I think he's just kind of a, a stick in the mud of this is my system. It's working in different forget. places. And I always think with Peyton Manning. Yep. That's my point. <laughs> go
0: ahead. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I figured that's where you were probably gonna go too. Of uh, how do you take one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time who has pretty much designed his own system and say, you know what? Hey, we're gonna make you do my system. And it's not gonna fit you at all. It's gonna be very uncomfortable. I know your arms hurting too and all these things, and it just it, it was a disaster. <laughs> It was yeah. a complete disaster. I mean, that defense really saved that last season for sure. But I think it could have been so much easier of a season, especially for Peyton Manning if they would have just kept the same system for him.
0: Remember how they wanted to the, the compromise was going to the pistol? Yep. What, what a crazy time. That was so weird. That 2015 was such a roller coaster season. I still maintain that that 2012 team was the best team, the best Broncos team I've seen since the probably the 99 team. But Yep. Yeah, um, yeah, I can't disagree with you there. I think that Kubiak's system, it, there is some success with it. Yeah, I mean, Sean McVay runs a West Coast system where he, I mean, one of the least uh, – what's the word I want to say? One of the least diverse positional grouping teams in the NFL. I mean, they pretty much strictly played 11 personnel and then would run everything based off that zone stretch concept. Um, very, you know, not – not the, the people make Sean McVay to be this genius, out, which he's a very – creative play caller etc cetera, etc cetera, et cetera, scheme designer but it's not like they were the saints using all these crazy different packages to get guys open in different ways so a lot of a lot of different ways to get it done so there is some precedence that Kubiak could get it done but I still do feel like I a I prefer him in the front office where he can kind of be a counterpoint to John Owe and be bringing somebody with a bit more youth and experience using some more I mean Elway keeps saying it college offenses college offenses that's kind of the opposite direction with Gary Kubiak so right exactly We'll see there, but yeah, I, I, I feel like Kubiak would be a safe pick, but a very underwhelming pick in that regard. And also I wonder about, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen. I mean, Kubiak, he's had a position in the front office now pretty high up. He's been the head coach. Some of these, a lot of these players have been a player underneath him as the, the head coach. You know, where, what is the power dynamic there when you have a new head coach coming in? Right, not that Gary Kubiak I'm not saying he's going to be a huge you know prima donna and a huge ego in there but still like there's there's got to be a question of like who's in charge here when you have that kind of dynamic going on
1: yeah and and I guess for me that would be a deterrent as a head coach interviewing yeah if I'm told that I have to have Gary Kubiak be my offensive coordinator i i just I'm not going to be a big fan of that having to have that guy I mean even if I like Gary
0: Kubiak it's still uh, you want your head coach to have a lot of say in his coaching staff. Well, think about how bad the Broncos have been offensively the past few years. And really, I mean, this defense, I, it's, it's going to be top 15, no matter what I think, unless you see just a crazy amount of injuries on that side of the ball, which could happen, but you got Vaughn and Chubb down there. You're guaranteed to have some pass rush. I mean, you just need to some, some, some of a back seven back there. I mean, even though at, this season wasn't great, they were still a pretty, pretty darn good defense overall because they could get after the quarterback. And, but the issue has been offense. So if you're telling me as a head coaching candidate coming in that I don't get to pick my own offensive coordinator, that sounds like to me, you're not giving me a real chance to succeed in the job. And that would, that would deter me. Right. Exactly. I have less power that gives me less power to make decisions. And I'd rather, if I'm going to go down, I want it to go down because of my doing right Yeah. Yeah. That's my take on it.
1: No, I'm, I'm completely there with you. And I mean, that was the one thing I will say about, uh, probably shouldn't say this name, but McDaniels, when he was here, it, he went down his way. Yeah. <laughs> there was nobody else who was at fault for that complete failure as, as a coach. And I mean, you, that's his choice. And I, I keep hearing him talk on interviews of, of his time here in Denver and you will say, yeah, I didn't really learn anything. Oh my God. And really? I'm just, in the, yeah. I'm just sitting there going, how could any team, I know he's this offensive genius, come supposedly still haven't seen it beyond having Tom Brady. But yeah. How do you say that every place you go is a learning
0: experience. Every season is a learning experience. Every I think. Day. You, yeah, exactly. That's like the and, worst. That's the biggest turnoff of all time. Imagine yeah. somebody comes in for an interview and you know, they've, they worked for a successful company and they kind of flamed out elsewhere and they went back to this company and had success again. And it's like, Oh, well, what did you learn from your mistake here? No, absolutely nothing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for your time. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't my fault. Yeah. God. <laughs> Horrible. So good luck to whoever decides to hire him. Yeah. Not, not really screw him. Yeah. We can, yeah. we can, you know, we can thank them for LA and Manning and we can also cheer for them or stand up for them in regards to disliking McDaniels. So. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even know that. That really, that actually irritated me, Carl. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> he, yeah, once a jerk, always a jerk, I guess. All but, right.
1: Uh, yeah, let's let's uh, let's move on to the bulk of our show here today. We thought since it's end of the season, we wanted to do an awards show. I mean, we got the the Grammys coming up. We got all these different awards shows going on. It, it's just kind of one of those times. It's that that time of year, and so kind of reflecting on this 2018 season for the Broncos. And while it wasn't what any of us hope for, it it still has some bright spots. It still has some players that stood out and and made some plays and did some things that give, should give Bronco fans some hope for the future. And, and so we're going to have, it's it's a long list of of awards here. Uh, Some of them good, some of them bad. We, I will say that, but uh, these are kind of fun to go through and just, again, just have a chance to reflect and then maybe be able to see, all right, what do we got to do to move forward? And our first award of the day is don't give up on me, baby. You got to sing it though, right? Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> you really, no. <laughs> no. Are you a don't better singer than me? Don't give
0: up on me, baby. Yeah, no, there I'm, you go. I'm, I'm an instrumentalist, but I'll, 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 I'll dabble on the pipes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, a down year player that uh, can get a bounce back season. And I wrote out a bunch of these awards, you know, just uh, chilling and trying to think of some, so I, but then I left them all blank for my end, so then Carl comes in and, and steals my guy here, the exact one I was thinking about for the, the Don't Give Up On Me Baby Award. So I, I, fig- I figured when you wrote this, it was just for this player. It was. It really was. So I have another good one here, but I'll let you go first since you you definitely took my guy. All right, well, i, I got to go Justin Simmons. Yeah.
1: This was a guy that you and I both thought was going to have just an outstanding season, was going to really rise up to be a top-10 safety in the league. And just never got close to that. Made a few plays here and there, but seemed out of position. And, and I do blame some of that on the coaches. And they have admitted we made him do too much. We asked him to play too many positions, tried to do too many things, and just weren't playing him quite to his strengths. And so this is a little bit – all of this for future awards, I guess, is a little bit determined on who the next coaching staff is. If we get a great, like Fangio, I'm very, very excited about these defensive players if we get him. I mean, I, I just will be ecstatic to see what he can do with that pass rush, what he can do with the secondary, lots of good things. But Justin Simmons, I do think he's still a very, very talented player. He does have a lot of versatility. He's a guy that can cover. He can come down and help out in the run game, although this year it wasn't his best season. and But he's still just a good all-around player that I think the
0: Broncos can lean on. Yeah, that's a good one. I agree with you. I feel like Simmons was definitely hampered by the limited athleticism in the linebacking corps, and he was asked to cover up for that, playing a lot of kind of box coverage stuff in there. And he was also exposed because Darian Stewart was just really not good this year. So, yeah, that's that's a good one, Carl. That's almost like what I would have picked. Um, so <laughs> my pick for the Don't Give Up On Me Baby Award, despite his poor showing in that one drive, the week 17 against the chargers i'm gonna go with garrett bowles you know even the, if he doesn't end up being a above average left tackle there were plenty of flashes this season where he was an average left tackle overall and a plus in the run game and whether or not he's going to be a long-term starter at left tackle or if he moves over to right tackle or if he's going to be potentially a garden more of his own scheme i still feel like given garrett bulls's flashes and where they took him and the athletic traits and how raw he was coming in. I mean, dude only played one year of D one football at offensive tackle and only played two years of offensive tackle or offensive line period because he played defensive line at community college before that. So he's still a raw player and we saw flashes and growth this season, despite that week 17 struggle. So I'm not, I'm saying it's not time yet to give up on Garrett Bowles. And I would be surprised if the Broncos moved him from left tackle. I think they're going to give him another season. If he struggles there next year, then we're going to have to have a conversation. But I think they're going to give him one more year. You know, the three-year rule for rookies, and I think Garrett Bowles has shown enough to deserve that chance next season. Right. Well, and and like I said, I I keep thinking for the future, if we hire certain
1: coaches, what this means to certain players. And so Mike Munchak, what would that mean for Garrett Bowles? I think that could mean the world to Bowles. I I think that could really completely change the arc of of his career moving forward. And and he's already showing growth from year one to year two. Yes, he had plenty of holding calls. Yes, that week 17 wasn't as great, you know, going out on a high note kind of moment. But he still has talent. And it, it, he had moments of really showing great talent. He had a great run against a lot of really good pass rushers. I mean, you think about the guys that he had to go th- through there at the end of the season. And I, I thought he held his own. Yeah,
0: he gave up a couple pressures here and there. but. Beyond that, I thought he actually won a lot of those battles. He definitely improved on the stretch, and hopefully we'll see more of that even next season. And I definitely think, again, we had another season of instability at left guard next to him. I mean, he played next to three different dudes, so hasn't been an ideal situation. But having a quarterback, even though I'm pretty low on Case Keenum, having a quarterback that had some semblance of pocket awareness, uh, unlike Trevor Resimian, definitely helped him as well. So, yeah, he's uh, he's growing, he's improving, and... That's what counts. I mean, he's a first-round pick. Is he living up to that 20th overall standard? Probably not, but he looks like he could be a serviceable tackle, top 30, top 40-level tackle, including left and right tackles in the league. And that's not really the sights you want for your first-round pick, but it's not a total bust like we've seen. I mean, he's definitely – I mean, has he been a worse player than Shane Ray as a first-round pick? No. I, I don't think so. I Bradley Roby has been better than him. That's for sure. He's I think he's already been a better hit than Sylvester Williams. So I, I don't know. I definitely think there's a, there's going to be more discussion on this going forward, but I don't think it's time to give up to give up on Garrett bulls by any means. Right. But moving on now, the, the uh, haven't earned it award a uh, player that for next year that you think could emerge for me, this one, I have Deshaun Hamilton. And when Sanders went down, unfortunately really stunk. Uh, but I think that he uh, Hamilton really emerged down the stretch and he played more and more in that role. And he was getting a lot of targets and he was the thing also that was kind of annoying going back and watching, but Hamilton was getting open way more than he was getting targets. Like there were times where he give, he cooked his guy. And he's not an incredible athletic specimen, but he's got just a knack for getting open. And I think that with more rapport next season, no matter who the quarterback is, and another year of growing in his role, I think Deshaun Hamilton has a chance to really grow into a viable wide receiver three. I I don't think he has the traits you want for a true wide receiver two in this league, but considering there's more and more three and four wide receiver sets in the league, I think that Hamilton has a real chance to emerge and develop as a really nice niche player for this team. And see, this was... When I
1: wrote my article when he first got that starting role after Sanders went down, I wrote an article about Hamilton and what he could bring to the Broncos. And watching him going back, there was a lot of plays where he was open. He has a knack with his route running to get open on and, and to know where to sit in zones and all those kind of things. A lot of veteran things that he's doing as a rookie. And I had somebody comment of, well, he only had five catches up to this point. How can you sit here and say that he's going to be something? Well, just because somebody has five catches doesn't mean that they're not getting open. Last year, Sanders, how many times is he jumping up and down because he's wide open? Nobody within 10 yards of him. And our our boy Simeon couldn't see him. Don't say our
0: boy. (laughs) You can climb him, but don't don't put that that on me. Okay, sorry. (laughs) Don't
1: put that on me, Ricky Bob.
0: Yeah, evil. (laughs) But
1: uh, no, he is. I I think he's a guy that could really, with the right staff, with the right offensive showing, I think he could really emerge as that great consistent target for some quarterback, especially over the middle of the field. And for me, I went with Isaac Adam. I, I really liked what he showed over the last couple games. It wasn't perfect by any means. He still had his moments of being out of position and things like that. But I I thought he was showing a lot more consistency as the season went on. He looked like he was actually the game was slowing down for him a little bit. And not that I think he'll emerge as that true number two cornerback quite yet this next year. But I think he's a guy that they can lean on and say, okay, this is we can have Chris Harris. We can have Isaac Adam. And if we can find that other third guy. That can maybe be that number two, true number two. I think the Broncos can really still have a, a decent um, group of of cornerbacks to lean on for next season. It's not the no fly zone, but no. there was a reason it was called the no fly zone. <laughs> it's true. I mean, that, that that's rare. I, I think, and we talked about that when it was happening. Appreciate what you have while you have it, because it's not always going to be here. And and so now we have to change our expectations of, okay, now let's look at this group compared to the rest of the league. Can these three hold up against some of the really strong offenses out there? And so I, I don't know who that other cornerback is going to be for the Broncos yet, but if they can get that other guy, I think this could be a decent secondary for them.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, I can't disagree. Yeah, and that could be, they need safety help as well. And they need linebacking help. I mean, gosh, preseason, I hate to you know keep patting myself on the back, but big concerns coming into the season. I had three of them. One of them was the back seven. And the back seven, I think they were covered up a little bit because the defensive line, for the most part, was very good. So they definitely need to add some help there. But I think that uh, Yadam has a chance to develop into a solid cornerback three or four and a boundary corner. He definitely has to work on his transitions, uh, sticking with guys in phase. But he's physical. He's long. He plays you know, play, attacks the ball when he can. Not the best hands as far as taking away the ball, but there's right. definitely potential there. So I'm I'm excited to see him in year two. There's often a big step between year ones and year two, and the ones that you see take a big step year two are the ones that a lot of times the guys that are going to stick around for the long haul. Right. So,
1: and but, and I was happy that he got a lot of snaps here at the end of the season just to have that momentum going into next season.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that, that, I think that was huge for him. Imagine – I mean, it also makes it less of a an unknown, which is huge for the offseason. Exactly. I mean, if, if we'd have kept Adam Jones and Tremaine Brock and Chris Harris Jr. and Bradley Chubb as the top four, we'd have absolutely no idea. No idea what's going on with the Adam. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a you – know, we'll see about – I totally forgot Tremaine Brock even existed. He's he's the type of guy that 10 years from now, somebody's going to be like, you remember Tremaine Brock and you really gonna have to scratch your head. And he's like, oh, yeah. he Did he start? Was he one of the starters? So – Mm-hmm. All right, we're moving on now. The, the play of the year, and I'll let you go first because you definitely have the the better one here. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the very
1: obvious one for the Broncos is Shelby Harris' interception against the the Steelers. Just a huge moment. I mean, and it was, for, for Bronco fans, it was all the more because one, Shelby Harris coming over from the Raiders where they cut him, wanted nothing to do with him, comes to the Broncos, becomes a, a good player for him and makes a play. Also, he had his kid that week. And then he goes and makes the play of the year for the Broncos. I mean, it just, the whole thing was just a really cool experience and just uh, couldn't happen to a better guy that just, uh, he, he just loves playing. I mean, you can hear it when you, he does interviews. And so I was excited to see him make that play. And I just loved hearing Ben Roethlisberger talk about it afterwards of oh, that guy shouldn't have even been there and <laughs> make it all. I mean, the whole team is just like, what the heck, how did this happen? And I think Shelby Harris was like, what the heck, how did this happen? but it it happened and that's that's the the type
0: of plays that just really stick
1: out on a season for sure.
0: Well that's a good one. For me, I'm going to go with the 65-yard toss play to Philip Lindsay and this is not only highlighting Philip Lindsay's amazing speed and that that definitely put the the Bengals game out of reach. It was a beautiful play, but Garrett Bull's out in the space as well, that big block that he had and big momentum. I mean that that really that was the high point of the season. I mean, obviously, the three-game win streak, that that's a that's a big deal and unfortunately went way downhill very quickly after that. But for me, the 65-yard off-tackle Lindsay, that was one of his better runs of the season. A lot of speed, really got around the edge and kind of showed off some of the athleticism of the offensive line as well. I think Billy Turner was way down the field making blocks as well, so that that would be my my play of the year. Unfortunately, okay. we only have so few to pick from. I know.
1: <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't quite the highlights we were all hoping for this year, for sure. But still a few good things, a few good signs. Like I said, Philip Lindsay with that speed, man, t- teams are going to be worried about that for years. And it's, it's exciting that he's with the Broncos for sure. Well, our next award is the, the boomstick, the biggest hitter on the Broncos this year. And I'll, I'll let you go first
0: on this one. We'll kind of go back and forth here. Well, the Broncos back seven really lacked a guy who was bringing pop this season. I felt like we kind of talked about that before the season, you know, not a really an intimidating over the middle hitter or a linebacker. So I kind of went outside the box here and I went with Cortland Sutton and wide receiver. Why is that? Well, guys, wide receiver blocking, it matters. And especially for how the Broncos schemed this past season with being so dependent on the run game and the big runs, Cortland Sutton, was a big part of these big runs, and you know, oftentimes you know, they don't get the praise because their main job is to run routes and catch the ball. But if you got a wide receiver who's out there giving it their all, you know, taking out safeties, taking out cornerbacks, I mean that that makes that makes the t- the team teamwork makes the dream work. And when you got wide receivers out there giving it up as a blocker, whether it be in the run game or in the screen game. You know, that, that's a really big deal, and that really can create uh, changes from a, a 10-yard play into a 60-yard play. And Cortland Sutton, a few times this year, he didn't blow guys up kind of like, uh, what was it, Latimer did when he knocked out Bethea. But still, Cortland Sutton, I was very impressed with his blocking this season, and he had a couple big blocks. I mean, there was even one where, I think it was the Steelers game, where he got called for targeting or unnecessary roughness or something like that when it looked like a pretty clean hit to me but I'll, I'll give the award for the biggest hitter to Cortland sutton this season and hopefully we can we can give it to a defensive player next year
1: okay that, that i mean it makes sense I, I gotta go will parks because he did have one of those other iconic plays of the year where the tight end was going in for a touchdown and he knocked it out went through yep. the end zone i mean that that was a big hit where everybody thought, okay, he's just going to let him walk into the end zone, and boom, this guy comes out of nowhere. Like like I said, there wasn't any big intimidating guys in the secondary, which in the NFL today it's hard to find as much because players aren't allowed to do it. (laughs) Every time it happens, a flag comes out, it seems like. But uh, no, Will Will Parks, he's always that sound guy that's flying around the field making plays, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do next year with his growth that he showed this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll see if they do look to replace him. There's a lot of talk early on that the Broncos are going to be active and invested in the secondary in free agency. So we'll see what roles those guys have. Uh, moving on now, sticking in the back seven, uh, the Sickie Man Award. Best coverage. And honestly, we don't need to spend too much time on here because it really wasn't close. It was Chris Harris Jr. Yep. He started off the season not the best, you know, against the Raiders, against the Seahawks. I honestly thought he looked uh, a little bit... I don't know. He just didn't look the best those early weeks. He's given up some room out of breaks. He was giving up catches. But then from that point onward, I thought he played, I mean, as good a ball as he's played in his career, he was killing it, especially without a keep to lead there. And I was very impressed with him. And I really hope that he, I mean, they said he could have played in the playoffs this week. If, they, if the Broncos had made it. So I'm excited to see him next year, and hopefully they can continue to add some help around him because really, I mean, I do still have hope for Justin Simmons. I think he can be a key player for the defense, but they don't really have another playmaker or building block player in that back seven. I mean, they really don't. It's just Chris Harris. So hopefully they can get another partner back there for him, whether it be a safety, a linebacker, or, or a cor- another cornerback to play opposite him because Chris Harris, I mean, for as good as he is, like for any cornerback, he's better if he's got some talent around him. Right. Well, I keep hearing all these people talk about trading him. Are you getting a first-round pick and a third-round
1: <laughs> pick? I would consider it then, but for uh, his age... Well, yeah. Happens? I mean, for his age, yeah, you got to consider it then. But I, I don't think any team's going to be offering that. No way. Even though he's, he's... I mean, crazier things have happened in the NFL. But still, are you really going to make a, weaker, a weak unit all that much weaker that you have to find another talented player to have to replace? And I, I just... That right now keep your core guys we're, we're gonna have enough cap money to to go out there and get a few guys and and things like that i, I just i think some people are just kind of over panicking of we need to completely hit the entire reset button trade draw up von miller trade chris harris all these things and and i think that's just going a little overboard on where the broncos are at and i'm not saying that you can't hit the reset button on some things, but you still got to keep a couple core players for, for the Broncos. I mean, you need some guys that these younger guys can look up to and say, okay, what do we need to do? And Chris Harris Jr. is definitely one of those guys. So uh, I'm excited that he's going to be back. Like you said, I'm glad that his injury is not going to linger into the offseason, and he can have a full offseason to really recover and and get ready for this next season for the Broncos.
0: Yeah, and we definitely need him because – Like we said, the back seven outside of him, not the best, but hopefully the lads and pieces around him. All right. Well, I have another one here. The, uh, the too quick to judge player, a player we or fans were down on that, that has looked to start to turn it around. And I have kind of already talked about him a little bit, but for me, I'm going to say Garrett Bowles. He played better this season down the stretch and hopefully the next season getting stronger getting even better in the film room you know being a little bit more technical technically savvy he'll be even better next season and I think fans were way too quick to call him a bust especially in comparison to some of these other first round picks for the Broncos I mean going down the line obviously he's not he's not as good as Von Miller duh <laughs> that means he'd be one of the best left he's a hall of fame left tackle and that'd be pretty <laughs> high expectations for a second year player um you yeah, end of the first round kind of guy, but compared to like Shane Ray, uh, Sylvester Williams, I, I would say he's already better than them. He's already provided more value than that they ever did in Denver. So um, for me, I think we were too quick to judge and pile on Garrett Bowles, especially because a lot of people wanted the Broncos to go with a guy like Reuben Foster, who I know he was, <laughs> his charges were dropped today, but like, oh my god, no, thanks. Like just absolutely oh. pass hard. Couldn't pass harder. Right. Yeah.
1: That, that whole situation is just, he, he needs to be done with the NFL. Yeah. Uh, no, I went with uh, Derek Wolf. There were a lot of people who were calling for him to be cut, save his cap money, go spend it somewhere else. And I mean, his injuries were starting to pile up. There's even some talk that he was thinking of retiring and all those kind of things. And I thought he had a, I thought he had an underrated bounce back season. Yeah. He didn't have the, the big stats or the big sack numbers or anything like that, but I thought he had a, a very consistent season and and a guy that I really hope the Broncos bring back next year again.
0: I think he's only going to be like the 32nd or 36th highest paid defensive lineman. And considering his leadership in the locker room and the presence he brings on that defensive line, I would not look to get rid of him. I'd maybe look to restructure the contract, you know, yeah. maybe maybe kick some money back to another season or something, but I don't think he's somebody you should move on from. And I agree. I think people were quick to down down him. His past rushing was down the season, but his run, his run defense was top notch uh, for me. My guy, or, oh, you yeah, know, moving on now, sorry, moving on now, the next award would be the pancake chef, which, you know, self-explanatory best blocks this season. And for me, my guy that I have here for the best blocks, he didn't have, he wasn't the best offensive lineman this season. I think far from it, but as far as a guy who, Really made some some splash plays. I don't know. Carl, did you ever play like you were talking about it today? You no, know, Madden or NCAA football back in the day. Did you ever mess around and like edit some of the players? Kind of look oh, at the yeah. stats. and whatnot. The yeah. stat, the, the key stat known as impact block. You remember that one where it's not like pass blocking or the, mm-hmm. the footwork or anything? It's impact block. I think Connor McGovern is the guy who would have the highest impact block on this team, besides maybe the guy you put, because when he wins at a block and really just, like, blasts a guy out of a hole, it's impressive to watch, and he will put guys on the ground. Very explosive, not always the most consistent player, struggled against some of those better defensive linemen, especially ones with length this season on the inside, but my pancake chef this season, I think I'm going to go with uh, Connor McGovern. One of
1: my uh, all-time favorite stats that I had for, for Madden was they gave Jason Elam 99 speed. What? Yep. That was a mistake. Yep. So I could I could kick off, run down the field, and catch it before the kickoff returner caught it.
0: Wow, well, that would be... Would you draft that guy? How high would you draft that kid? <laughs> <laughs> First overall? I mean, that's Gosh. a
1: touchdown every time without even wasting a second off the clock. Wow. Oh, bad. It, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. But uh, no, I, I went with, of course, Garrett Bowles. I mean, honestly, he kind of gets himself in trouble with being almost too aggressive at times. Where he will have a guy blocked, and then he'll just decide, I got to finish this guy. And then he'll throw him to the ground, and the officials will be like, oh, that's holding. And and so he's got to learn a little bit that sometimes just holding your block is, is an okay thing, especially in pass blocking. And but he's still he's that guy that you really want. One, you want him first coming off the bus, then you want Derek Wolf coming off second off the bus. But yeah, you want him coming out in front of Philip Lindsay and mm-hmm. defenders going, Oh my gosh, Garrett Bowles is coming at us. This guy's going to eat me. And did you ever
0: did you ever watch Spongebob? Yeah, um, okay. some, not much. That was you a little after see- my era. Man, okay, I guess I'm a youngin. The episode was the Fry Cook games. Where like they're gonna about to square off, and you see this, you see SpongeBob go out in the ring, and you see this monstrous guy come out. The the stadium's shaking every step he takes, and then he turns around, and it's Patrick on his back, like like strapped to his back. (laughs) Like that'd be a great way to come off the bus, you know? You have like who's an absolute giant, like Adam Gotsis, just stomping off the bus, and then he turns around, and it's Philip Lindsay, like in a baby harness on his back. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, just. Gave me a little funny visual there. Yeah, no, you're
1: so. you're good. You're good. I, I think of uh Ace Ventura Pet Detective Number Two. Oh yes.
0: Yes. Yeah, where the he has to fight <laughs> the, the little guy. Yes, the white devil. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's a good
1: one. Oh yeah. Now I'm okay. gonna have to go watch that. But anyway, next next award we're gonna go with the scapegoat player people poop on that they really shouldn't. Uh the, the guy that just seems uh, definitely doesn't get doesn't deserve all the criticism that he gets. And I, I think you and I are kind of on the same plate of Garrett Bowles being that guy that people just love to hate, but he doesn't deserve it all. Yeah. I, I thought, I mean, he deserved it for a lot of, a lot of games. He had a lot of bad games, but he did show resilience and being able to turn around his season and, and start showing some good things. So for me, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Garrett Bowles again yeah. because I, I did like what he did, especially over the second half of the
0: season. One that I think, you know, honorable mention here, not my pick, but honorable mention would be Justin Simmons. And maybe even, yeah, for my sake, because I definitely pile on him too, but maybe somewhat case Keenum just because Bill Musgrave was that bad this season. That's, I mean, that's, that's a good pick. A valid one, but my, my number one guy here, I feel like a lot of people pile on him when gosh, he shouldn't be. And that's, that's Todd Davis is Todd Davis an elite linebacker. No, does he have elite speed? No. Is he a great coverage backer? No but when you have a linebacker lined up against was it DeAndre Hopkins and like Antonio Brown and like Tyree Kill or crap like that now yeah, pardon my language you said poop so I'm going to take it up a notch
1: <laughs> oh <laughs> man
0: yeah I know look out guys it's a new year new me it's 2019 <laughs> potty mouth but yeah no I definitely I think Todd Davis is a guy that's just he's given an unfair rep because of what he's asked to do I mean is he's not he's not Luke Keekley he's not Bobby Wagner he's not Dion Jones but You shouldn't expect him to be this guy. What was he like a fifth or sixth round pick came off the practice squad of the saints and he fills his job very well. He's a box guy. He's a thumper. He plays between the tackles. He takes on blockers. Well, he can fill as needed, but if you're asking this guy to turn and run or play coverage against a linebacker, it takes an, or against a wide receiver that takes an elite skill set from a linebacker. And when that happens, either the other team just out, scheme you at that play, and you know, tip your cap because it is a game of chess, and those other guys are trying to are playing to win as well. But really, I mean, he does his job well, and if you're expecting him to be, you know, this this all pro linebacker, then you just got the wrong idea of the type of player he is and what he's asked to do. So that that's my big scapegoat. I feel like he gets a an unfair rep uh, fairly often, and he's not he's not a terrible player by any means. Right?
1: Yeah, you're you're right. When he when he gets schemed up against wide receivers like that. I mean, that means the other teams playing chess and our coaches are playing checkers. Yeah. It's like, I
0: mean, no wonder like ridiculous. who expects him to stop Deandre Hopkins. Yeah. <laughs> if Deandre Hopkins beat Champ Bailey a couple of times, I would be like, uh, eh, you know what? It's going to happen. He's a great player. But if you got him lined up against a not coverage linebacker, like, and you're upset about that. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's, like what do you what do you expect from him? He's not a 99 overall player if you're ranking him on Madden or some some crap like that. You know that's just the, he's a he's a solid thumper between the line between the tackles guy. And I thought this year in coverage and in pursuit he looked better. He looked faster this year to me. Yeah, Maybe, I thought he really I, did. I, I thought this was his best year of coverage by, by far and pursuit. Like yeah. outside the tackle, he was making plays that I had not seen from him before. Before he looked a lot more stiff, and he just looked so much more fluid this season. I honestly think he might have been. One of the more underrated re-signings this past season. I think he p- definitely played up to his contract. You know, would you like to replace him with a Leighton Vanderetch level linebacker, a Roquan Smith, or a Darius Leonard? I mean, yeah, duh. But still, he's a valuable player on this team, and he has a, he has a role, and he fills it nicely. And I feel like there's a bigger issue with his the safeties around him and the the complemented linebacker rather than Todd Davis himself. Yeah. So that's, that's just my opinion. Maybe I could be wrong about that. Uh, speaking about the complimented linebacker, the uh, turned down the hype award. I guess that's not so much of an award. Sorry guys, but the, the player that you don't just totally get the love for. And I, this is going to make some people very upset because oh, well, it's going to make me upset even because of my, my college fandom. But for me, it's Josie Jewell. And this season he had a couple good plays, but for the most part, he looked pretty slow. He looked pretty small he looked pretty weak in getting off blocks. And I just, I understand the instincts are great. I understand the leadership and the work ethic is great. But there's some point where you're just, you're just limited, you know? And pairing him next to Todd Davis, who's already that, you know, a plus player as a box defender with that you have questions about in coverage and speed, pairing him with an even slower, smaller version is a concern. And so I, i Josie Jewell. If they go with him next year as the linebacker, especially considering how bad this draft class looks at linebacker, <laughs> especially if Devin white and Mac Wilson don't come out, then I mean, yeah. if you have to go with Josie Jewell, the Broncos have shown they can get away with mediocre play in the linebacking core. You don't, you don't have to have a difference maker there. If you have good players around them in the back seven and a good pass rush and everything. But I just, I don't get the hype with Josie Jewel. I don't think he's ever going to be a, a great player in the league. And that kills me because I am a huge fan of his as far as uh, what he did for the Iowa Hawkeyes and obviously a huge Iowa Hawkeye fan too. But I just think he's a, he's a medi- he's a mediocre, very low ceiling player. And I just, I, I, I don't see what there is to get too excited about. Good one. I,
1: I almost went with him, but uh, I decided to, to give that one to you. Uh, I went with Chad Kelly. I know mm-hmm. he hasn't been on the Broncos. But I still have here Bronco fans. If only wanting. we had it. Yeah. I, I mean, when he was here, it, it was getting crazy how many people were going, this guy's going to save this this organization. And I, to me, he showed exactly who he is. He's a guy that just, he can't stay out of trouble. He He can't be the face of your franchise. Are you really going to trust this guy, give him a big contract or anything like that? and think that he's not going to go do something really, really stupid at some point. He's going to make you look bad. Yeah, he, he will. And I just, I thought he was inconsistent when he did have a chance to play in the preseason and stuff like that. He had a great first game, but every game after that, it was pretty downhill.
0: Yeah.
1: Some good throws, some good plays, and then just plays that have you scratch your head going, what were you even seeing? And that's what he did in college too. I mean, he, he was, and preseason what he was in college, some moments of greatness and some moments of just, Oh my gosh, get this guy off the field kind of thing. So I I still, I still don't get the hype. I mean, but there's still some people out there that would that say letting go of Tim Tebow was a mistake. So (laughs) we always have that, that love for the backup quarterback. Yeah. Or the the guys that show a lot of passion. Oh Yeah. exciting yeah yeah and so i I just uh i'm ready for the chad kelly era just to be done and let's just move forward with somebody else and whoever that might be i mean i we might have another year of case keenum and i know bronco fans will be pretty upset about that we'll see what happens with the new coaching staff and things like that but yeah chad kelly he's done in denver that's for
0: sure yep and good thing (laughs) sorry to be that guy but yeah good thing all right well the next award the old man strength award Best player over 30, and I went with an older old man on this team, but I went with Demata Peko, going to be a free agent this year. Are they going to resign him? I don't know if I would be about that. I think I might rather have Zach Kerr, but pecco has been huge for this team. He's just probably one of my favorite personalities on this team. I've never seen a guy who just radiates joy and happiness, and he's got one of those like contagious smiles where you hear him talking, and he's just excited and kind of got this like childhood wonderment, and it's like, man. I am your best friend. You don't even know me. I'm your best friend now. I called it. <laughs> so, and he played well this season. I mean, not his best season. You can definitely tell that he's, he's starting to wear down. I did a film piece week two on him when he'd had a great game against the Raiders. And then after that, it was rather, you know, rather no show from him down the stretch and that the father time is going to catch up on him. But I got to give tip of the cap to Nevada Peco even if he's you know going to retire and move on to somewhere else after this season. I big fan of him personally and obviously the hair game is very strong. So I'm, I'm going to give him the award just because I'm going to be a little bit of fan at this point, And I just love the guy.
1: I, I almost put an award for best hair on the team. Mm. Almost it would have did him. it. I don't know. You got Philip Lindsay.
0: Oh yeah. I mean that, that fro man, that that's, I'm, I'm going to uh, go the Polynesian. You're going to go who I, I got to go with the Polynesian. When you can't <laughs> read the back plate on the name, you just have to go by the hair. That, that's, that's some great hair.
1: All right. All right. <laughs> well, I went with Jared Valdir. He was hurt for part of the year. And I wouldn't say that he went out there and dominated or anything like that at the right tackle position, but it was still the best play we've seen at the right tackle position since Orlando Franklin. Yeah. I mean, I, that's pre Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, pre Super Bowl, Orlando Franklin. I can't disagree. But uh, I thought he was a consistent player for the Broncos. And And I think he's going to be one of those tough decisions of, do you bring him back? Do you update the position with the younger player? Do you fill the position from the draft? I I don't know what they're going to do there at the right tackle position, but it really would not shock me one bit to see him be back with the Broncos on a one- to two-year deal for that right tackle spot.
0: Definitely depends on what the market is. I mean, maybe 10th overall, the Broncos are looking at an offensive line. Who knows? they got a lot of different directions they could go, and it really depends on how the board falls on them. But it would depend on the contract for me with Veldier. He was up and down this season, but he did offer a solidifying presence at right tackle that this team has sorely missed. So definitely definitely a guy I'm looking out for. Uh, for me, now moving on to the next award, the, the clutch gene, the most clutch player of the year. And for me, I'm going to go with Justin Simmons. And it has nothing to do with his defensive play, but rather his special teams play. Blocking two kicks the way he did, maybe even if one of them wasn't legal. Sorry, John Harbaugh. I know he was pretty upset about that. But still, Justin Simmons, if you're blocking two kicks in the game and if they have the the history of blocking kicks like he has, then I you you're definitely got a clutch clutch factor in you. So I'm gonna go with Justin Simmons there. Well I went with Chris Harris and, and it really kind of boils
1: down to one play for me, but it just it was the, the interception against the I think it was the Chargers. And where the just the Broncos were not in a good place, looking like they're gonna go down by quite a bit and just all momentum was gone. Or no, it was it Pittsburgh. Yes. Pittsburgh. Yeah Pittsburgh they just scored the ninety eight yard touchdown or whatever. And then got a three and out on the Broncos, and just oh my gosh, here we go! This game's going to get out of hand. And boom, Chris Harris with an interception saved that game. I know we, we already talked about the Shelby Harris interception at the end of the game, but I really
0: think Chris Harris's play had a, the biggest impact on that game. All right, well that's that's a good one. All right, well moving on, we have the the Barium Award, a player that everyone needs to move on from. And for me, my guy here is Demarcus Walker. I don't care. He was a second round pick. He was a reach at the time. Honest to God. I think his pick might've been a mistake in the draft room and he's still, he can't see the snaps when he's healthy. He's only a three technique pass rusher. You can't play any other position on the defensive line. He, his sacks are all secondary kind of sacks where, you know, like and a, original pass rusher will get a guy off a spot and then you'll see demarcus walker get a swim move to get a sack after you know five six seconds and he needs the coverage to hold if it's going to get it as well so he's just a super limited player in my regard oh, i don't even talk about how bad he is against the run so <laughs> i from what i've heard and from what i've been told it's p- pretty unlikely that he's even on this team next year i don't think he's going to make it to the 53 he almost didn't make it this year so for everybody i don't care he's a second round pick I hear it on the radio i hear it fans talk about it see it on twitter yeah, I'd remove that from him. Look at what he's done. Forget the stats, even watch the tape, and he's a st- extremely limited player. And it's probably time to you know bury him. I think I think he's done it in Denver. Well, I'm gonna go with Sue Cravens. I kind of, I,
1: th- this has more to do with hearsay of things I've I've heard that he's not a great worker, doesn't have the best attitude, and I mean these were all concerns when he came to the Broncos that these were things going on when he was in Washington, and kind of thought, hey, maybe. New location, maybe things will change for him because he's a very talented player. And it seems like he's just still the same guy. And uh, we've heard that there's a good chance the Broncos are going to be moving on from him. I mean, it's easy to see those last few games. They didn't even activate him. Here's a guy that finally got healthy and, and they were needing that kind of player to be able to, to cover there over the middle of the field that they were missing. And they had to bench him. I mean, that's that's pretty bad. And especially when we are right there after a three-game win streak looking like we're going to be a, a playoff contender-type team, and yet they still don't even want him on the field because they can't trust him.
0: Nah, it, it's,
1: it, it's time to move on. I, I, I know they traded for him and all that, and I know there's a lot of people, myself included, that were very excited about what he could bring to the Broncos. And uh, he's just not going to be that guy for us.
0: Yep, sunken cost at this point. So it is what it is. Yeah. All right. Well, the the bring him back award. Now it's a guy, the free agent player that the team needs to resign. And number one for me, I don't think it's close. I was, you know, going back and forth with, you know, maybe you don't, you can get away with not paying this guy. Well, they missed him. He's solidifying presence. And there's a lot to be said about re-signing your own guys. So for me, Matt Paradis, I don't know what the market is going to be. Obviously there's a point where you can't pay him to bring him back, but I would love to have him back in Denver, even if he's not, you know, the best center in football. He's not Ryan Kelly. He's not Jason Kelsey. He's not Rodney Hudson. He's not Travis Frederick. He's a top five, top 10 level center. He offers a solidifying presence and it's, you know, it's, it's important to the Broncos to pay guys that have been doing well on the offensive line and retain them. In my opinion, it sends a message to the locker room and just throughout the organization that if you do your job, you're going to be compensated. So for me, it's Matt Paradis. And I think one of the
1: most underrated qualities that he brought was his communication. Oh yes. Good. Great point, Carl. <laughs> I mean, that that's the thing that you could easily see was missing, especially in those mid, middle guys, just not having that, that guy there to tell him what to do, what was coming at him, all those kind of things. It just, it, it was easy to see. I mean, Connor McGovern, I think is the better athlete. I think he's the better kind of fit for that center position physically, but Matt Paradis, you can't, discount what he brings mentally to the game my guy I went with I know a lot of people are going to really get after me on this one I went with Bradley Roby I kind of went back and forth on this one because there's some other oh smaller signings that the Broncos could make but just looking at one the draft and looking to it at free agency at the cornerback position and I'm just not sure that there's a ton of greater talent than Bradley Roby and I don't think Bradley Roby has been a great cornerback by any means this season. But I think he's had moments of really showing that he can be a good cornerback. And, and some of this kind of depends on the next coaching staff we bring in. Fangio, I, I think he's the kind of guy that could get across Bradley Roby, what he could be. I still think Roby has the talent to be a top 10, top 15 kind of cornerback in the league he just has to show more consistency. And I know that's what we've been saying that for years, maybe he's never going to reach that kind of point. And, and I'm probably, if the Broncos are paying him, they're probably going to have to be overpaying him. But I I just, I guess I'd rather keep him around and, and see what he can do with more years with the Broncos and just hope that you can have a coaching staff that, that can get through to this guy. I know that's, that's asking a lot. But I I still like Roby. I still see enough in him, enough plays
0: that I'm going, man, this guy, he has something. Well, we will see what the market dictates on him. But from everything that I've been picking up, I don't think he is back in Denver next year. I think they'll look elsewhere to fulfill their secondary needs. But he's still talented. There's flashes of talent. And I thought, you know, down the stretch, he actually played pretty well. So if he wants to be back and the contract looks right, I mean, I think it would be silly not to at least consider it for the, the Broncos front office, but we will see. All right. Well, only a few more awards left. We've got the the milk carton award, which is missing. And I went back and forth here. Number one for me was Sua Cravens because, I mean, we got him. And hello, where was he? All season. I know he was injured, but still, like, yikes. You know, you, you touched the nail on the head. You brought him in here. They needed him. He didn't show up but for me you when you put jake but i figured we kind of would take it in a different direction a guy that the team themselves missed and once this guy went down i thought the entire the entire offense just shut down completely so i'm gonna go with emmanuel sanders here Uh, really i mean i feel like i've actually been underrating his game how much value he's brought to this game because once he went down the offense just completely imploded the run game disappeared the, the hands, the, the explosiveness in the pass game, it just all went to a level that I can't remember since. I mean, Trevor Simeon brought it to this level too, but it was horrible. So for me, the main guy we were missing there down the stretch and the milk carton award for me would be Emmanuel Sanders. Well, I
1: I guess I thought of this in, in many different ways, this award. Because Jake, he can fit many different directions of one being tight end. Broncos didn't have any kind of production from the tight end position once Hireman went down. But it's also where are you, Jake? But I mean, it's you I, I could have put this guy in that overhyped spot. Mm, yeah. Because I mean, when the Broncos drafted him, and, and I think we were both excited about him too. But he's he's been a no-show because of injuries. Yep. And it's it's kind of like Hireman. He when he's healthy, he's shown little flashes of, hey, this guy could be something, but he's always hurt. And is Jake Butt following in that same footsteps of what it should have coulda? What what could he he have been? And I, I just uh, I I don't know. I I don't know if we can we can't go into next season trusting that Jake Butt's going to finally be that guy that emerges. I I think the Broncos easily it's it, tight end going to be a position that they're going to target, and thankfully tight ends very strong in the draft this year. Very strong, especially if your your boy TJ decides to come and join the, the, the group.
0: <laughs> and we're still waiting on Irv Smith and the tight end from Missouri who has a name that I can't pronounce, Albert O. So there we go. <laughs> so we'll go. see. It, it looks like a pretty good class, so that'll be right. a lot of fun. Right. Moving so, on, I, mean, it's, so oh, I was just going to say,
1: I mean, it could be where Jake Buck could really get buried on the, the depth chart just because he hasn't
0: shown anything to the Broncos, and they're going to say, hey, we're just moving forward. And it's his third ACL injury, so right. – we will see if he even can come back at all. All right. Well, moving on, we've been already starting to get a little long. We got a couple more awards here. This is a good show idea, Carl. I'm glad I did this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The, uh, the biggest, ugliest award. So either offensive line or defensive line, just a guy, you know, you want to bring him out. And if they are an ugly looking dude, that, that doesn't hurt either. But for me, my biggest, ugliest award this season for the you know, best offensive line, defensive line guy, just throwing some praise here, Adam Gotsis, I thought, especially down the stretch, he was playing the best football I've seen of his career. A lot of people were talking, you know, Broncos really need to resign Shelby Harris, blah, blah, blah. going to be a free agent after next season. Can't risk losing him. Well, yeah, honestly, if you put a gun to my head, I think Adam Gotsis was a better player down the stretch. And he looked like he was finally starting to click as a pass rusher, which he he's already developed into a really solid run defender. And his burst and everything is top-notch if he can start developing as a pass rusher look out and next year is going to be his fourth year you know another raw kind of player coming from australia so i think he's got a chance to really be uh he's never going to be an i don't think an elite elite level defensive lineman but i think he can be a pretty high level one and it was starting to show down the stretch so my biggest ugliest award for the the big uglies is going to go to adam Ah, uh, very good one i mean we both when
1: we saw this award that was the name that came to both our minds but i, I went with shelby harris I mean, that was the other guy that, like you said, the Broncos might be smart to sign even both these guys. I mean, that, that might be too much money put into the position, kind of depending on, on what they do with Wolf moving forward and things like that or how much they want, honestly, too. But anyway, Shelby Harris, I mean, he's one of those guys that has some underrated skills that he brings to the team that you just don't even think that he would bring. He doesn't look like a great pass rusher, like when you look at his size and and things like that, but he finds ways. And he almost, almost made one of the best plays when, uh, I hate to say it, but the big touchdown for the Steelers. I mean, if they didn't mess up in the secondary, that was going to be a safety. Yeah. Because Shelby Harris burst right through the line, right off the bat, right in Bing, Big Ben's face. Should have been a safety. I, it was, oh. Man, so close, but, but that's, that's what he brings. I mean, he just made, made some plays that the Broncos were needing, somebody else to step up other than Chubb and, and Vaughn, and here comes Harris. So love those guys up the middle. They definitely kept the intensity of the entire season. That was the, the really nice thing to see with that
0: defensive line. I, I can't disagree. It's good to see some defensive linemen there. Now, then the last award here before we kind of get to some of our core ones, uh, the, bon Voyage, oh, wow, the Bon Voyage Award player that has been good but it's probably time to move on from and this one kind of hurt me to write down but it makes sense from a financial standpoint and he honestly deserves a a bigger chance elsewhere and that's Shaq Barrett I would love to have him back you know you can never have too many pass rushers but given the contract Von Miller has and Bradley Chubb has and the other holes in the roster I can't see the Broncos being able to pay what Shaq Barrett deserves and will get on the open market. So you no, know, whether it goes to the Browns or a team like the Rams or somebody like that, his service is going to be, be sought after. And I just don't think the Broncos have the, the feasibility to pay him what he should get on the market, especially as an undrafted free agent, Shaq Barrett. I mean, I understand Denver's his hometown team, but go get that money because nothing is guaranteed. Yeah. You know, besides that guaranteed money, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, go get it while you can. So bon voyage and really good luck. And a guy that I will, always follow and cheer for unless he's playing the broncos will be shaq barrett
1: good one i yeah i mean that's hard to disagree with mine emmanuel sanders Mm -hmm. i hate saying that and i hate that he had this achilles injury because he was having a great season but he's got one year left on his contract and he's gonna miss
0: what three-fourths of the season this next year if not more Some hope it'll be less, but it's an Achilles injury and he's 30. So anybody who's telling you they know for sure is selling snake oil. Right, exactly. And so
1: how can you keep him around? I mean, that's money that you could use to bring in somebody else, even at that position to really help out through the entire year. And again, I hate saying that because he is that heart of the offense, that guy that just always gave everything he had in every single game, made some incredible catches for the Broncos. I I love what Emmanuel Sanders brought to the Broncos, but it, it's just that's the name of the game. It's part of the business. It's cutthroat. I know that, and
0: uh, it, it's going to be hard when they when they let him go. Yeah, I can't disagree. And whether that that'll depend a lot on the the injury and how he's coming back, but and the contract structure itself. And from what I understand, there's no real dead money besides the prorated signing bonus. So that probably means i'll move on from him but i've heard conflicting reports either way there so we'll see all right well moving on now to some of the core awards and carl we are not very original here which is fine (laughs) yeah what can you do we'd rather be right here than be individuals so offensive player of the year both of us had philip Lindsay. and Uh, how can you argue
1: with that it's i mean he was the he was the offense (laughs) yeah there, I mean, other guys had little plays here and there. Like I said, Sanders had some – he was probably the second most consistent guy on the offense. But beyond him, Philip Lindsay was that guy that just game in, game out, was making plays for the
0: Broncos. Yeah. The only guy I think that might have had a chance to challenge him would have been Emmanuel Sanders. But getting injured, that totally took it off the table. So here we are. All right, well, Defensive Player of the Year – uh, again, it's a clean sweep. Von Miller, he totally changes what offenses can do to them. He's still one of the best pass rushers in the entire NFL. He's worth every penny, and anybody who says that they should trade him is an absolute buffoon. And you should stop listening to them. Period. Yep, I. <laughs> this
1: guy, I mean, like you said, the every team that plays the Broncos, who do they first mention? Von Miller. He's the guy. He is, and he's good in the locker room. He's good for the young players. I mean, it's, it's crazy. He even has a great relationship with our kicker of all players. I mean, he just, everything, he, he's the face of the franchise. And the Broncos are lucky to have him and what he brings to the table. He's in his prime, just almost there at 100 sacks. And, oh, my goodness, it's just been been a fun ride to watch this guy. And and he keeps getting, having year after year of
0: of showing he is one of the top players in the entire league. He really is. And he's developed into a great leader in person on and off the field as well, which I, I couldn't think of a much better face of the franchise. Hopefully they can turn it around for him, though, because his prime is coming to an end. But luckily, we have a guy opposite him who, hey, guess what? Rookie of the year. Both of us have the same guy for the Broncos here, Bradley Chubb. I thought maybe one of us would go with Philip Lindsay, but me being a staunch proponent of positional value and Bradley Chubb, he didn't get, quite get there to the sack record, but he was close and had a better year than I thought possible. Bradley Chubb is my rookie of the year. And he's definitely, he's definitely, gosh, outside of Von Miller, I think he's probably the second most important player on this team going forward. As far as a a building block. I
1: I can't argue that. I mean, like you said, he had a better year than I think most people thought he could have as a rookie. I know he came in as a very mature, very technically sound kind of guy, but still very, there's a reason. So few rookies get in there and have double digit sacks because it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. And the fact that he did it on a bad team that was playing from behind a lot of games just shows, again, how how big he was. And I actually thought his bend around the corner was better than what he showed in college this year. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think he'll ever – he'll never make it to Von Miller kind of level, but that's Hall of Fame level. I I don't think he'll ever be quite Khalil Mack, which some people are comparing him to. But if he can be that notch below those kind of guys – that's that's a huge get for the Broncos, that pick number five.
0: Yeah, can't disagree And with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb there as the, the basis, the, the key components of the defense. I think no matter what, you have a guaranteed top half of the league defense because getting after the quarterback is alpha, beta, whatever the C for <laughs> Greek gamma. is. I mean, it's gamma. There you go. <laughs> so there you go, Carl. Thank you. Yes. Well, I mean, <laughs> all of us pastors have to know Greek, you know. <laughs> of course. Right. But yeah, no, I I can't disagree Bradley Chubb for sure. The rookie of the year for me. And then coach of the year for the Broncos. I got Vance Joseph. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody just turned off the podcast. Uh, I got uh bill caller. There's a couple other guys that, you know, Chris Modkins was the guy, the running back coach that was worth some hype as well. I thought Sean Kugler did a pretty solid job at the interior offensive line, despite the injuries, but bill caller, he's the dude. And if there's any, positional coach of the Broncos. I hope they bring back. It's him. He's developed Shelby Harris along. He's developed Adam Gatsas. He's revived Petco's career. Derek Wolf had one of the better years of his career. And even a guy we didn't talk about very much on here that played pretty well this year, a free agent, Zach Kerr. Mm -hmm. Bill Collar is one of the best defensive line coaches in football. And he has a job here as long as he wants, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. (laughs) I'm with you on that. I went with Zach
1: Azani, the wide receivers coach for the Broncos. And I mean, not that the, the passing game was amazing this season, but I, I put that more on offensive scheme and limitations of of Case Keenum than I do on what the wide receivers were doing on the field. We already talked about it with Deshaun Hamilton that he was showing great growth and, and getting open quite often. Cortland Sutton started showing a little bit better route running as the season went on. Emmanuel Sanders was having a, a pretty good season. And, I mean, Demaryius Thomas... There's a reason they they felt comfortable trading him was because the other wide receivers were developing fast enough that the Broncos were like, OK, yep, let's move on from this guy. And, and as tough as that was to see the longest tenured Bronco leave the building, it, it, they still felt comfortable enough with it because the young guys were doing so well. And I put a lot of that on Zach Azani just doing a great job. I I've talked about it on the show before that when I was at the senior bowl, he was the one coach that really, really stood out to me the guy that I just couldn't stop watching what he was doing for drills, how he was coaching up the, the players on the field. It was just, it was something special.
0: Well, there you go, folks. There's our list of awards and Carl, I think we were along, long, so we should probably get up on out of here. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of billion the Broncos. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. Also make sure you head on over to mile high huddle an affiliate of 24, seven sports and CBS sports, digital, to find ours on our co-writers articles and all things pertaining to your Denver Broncos head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and comment. Your support can help us con- continue to bring us the Denver Bronco deep dives we bring every single week. We aren't just here to bring you the news, but an in depth analysis each week from team building, game planning, the draft coming up now, and 365 days of covering the Denver Broncos. You can follow the Building the Broncos podcast and all our other great audio content by subscribing to the Huddle Up podcast and on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter by following us at Milehead Huddle and at BTB Football Pod. Also, make sure you check on check out at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us, and reach out to us on Twitter or any other interface. As we love interacting with fellow Bronco fans. For Carl Dumbler, I'm Nick Kendall, wrapping up another episode of the Building the Broncos podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you again next week. Although they're out of the playoffs, always will say it. Go Broncos! You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com
1: to keep the conversation going. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.